This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. bonus episode of Waving the Weed. This is the only time we've done three episodes in one week, but for good reason, because KU's playing in the Final Four, and y'all seem to be liking this. So we've got not only a bonus episode, we've got a bonus guest, two guests this week. Matt Tate of the Lawrence Journal World. We're going to talk legacy. We've done sort of a couple of different opens where we talked about this team making it to the Final Four Uh, the unexpectedness of that. Then we did the Villanova-Kansas breakdown. I want to talk legacy. I want to talk 30,000-foot view, historical sort of perspective. Kansas winning another title, what that would mean. Bill Self winning another title, what that would mean. We'll do that with Matt Tate of the LJ World. And Darnell Jackson, when we talked to him the first time, he said, you know what? We end up going on a deep run. Call me up. We'll do this thing again. Guess what? Cage in the Final Four, so I called Darnell Jackson. We're doing this again just as good as the first time around. Excited to give it all to you. Let's go ahead and get into it. Matt Tate, LJ World, KUSports.com. We've done a lot of content together over the years, Matt. You used to come on with me weekly on Rock Chalk Sports Talk. We do our Basketball Friends video for KUSports.com. But this is your first appearance on this podcast. So I guess a congratulations in order. Now you have officially infiltrated every single piece of comp that I've ever done. So congrats on that. It's going to get real scary for you when you start seeing me like parked outside of your apartment and you're just like, wonder what he's doing out there. Like, is he, is he just trying to do another video? Is he going to kill me? What's, what's going to happen? <laughs> I mean, that's, that's, that's the deal. So, um, I appreciate the introduction. I, I, I appreciate the congratulations, the warm welcome, all of it, man. I mean, it's, uh, couldn't think of a better time to jump on this show with you than right now, two days before Kansas plays in the final four for the first time in four years. And, uh, I mean, it doesn't get better than that, man. It's new Orleans. It's KU. It's blue blood city down here. Um, it's, it's just, yeah, it's, 
it's all going to end. What's it like Monday so night. far? I know it's still early, and I know a lot of people, probably a lot of fans, haven't arrived yet. But uh, is it like is it very clearly a Final Four takeover in New Orleans yet? For sure. Yeah. Yesterday was not uh, Wednesday was not as much, and that was the day I got in. And you know, you can start to see remnants of that, and it's very clear the city was ready. But um, Thursday. After I was done writing and doing interview stuff all day at, at the Superdome, uh, went out and had some dinner and, and that was, and then, and then kind of walked on Bourbon Street, checked, checked out a little bit of the scene for a little while. And that was when it got really like, oh, okay, people are here. I mean, there's Duke gear, there's Nova gear, there's KU rock chalk and everywhere. People are yelling at everywhere you go, you know, and, uh, and of course there's, there's obviously Carolina stuff here too. So it, it, it really did feel like it, it was uh, it was here for sure. And then I think Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, right? It's going to just be, it's going to be insane. But I was here in 2012 um, when they were here and, and when they lost to Kentucky in the title game. And, and um, so, I, so I, you know, I've seen it. I know what it's like down here. And it's, it's, it's the coolest place on the planet to have a Final Four. I think San Antonio's cool. I think Indy's solid um that's about it for me i think they should rotate them between those three but i would also be okay if they just turn new orleans into dayton you know the dayton thing with the first four they should just always have the final four here i don't know anyone that would argue except for obviously the other cities but as far as college basketball goes no man these schools these coaches these fan bases they would say sure works for me and they would still all want to come here every year so just to set the scene for anybody, uh, what, what Matt and I are going to be talking about, because if you've been listening to this podcast uh, across the course of this week on Monday, we sort of talked about big picture about KU making it to the Final Four and big picture for this individual team on Wednesday. It was more about the matchup versus Villanova. But Matt, I wanted to bring you on to talk about a different big picture discussion, and that is legacy talk and, and those of you who know me and Matt you know me well I, I tend to shy away from legacy talk I think sometimes it is a trite way to talk about college basketball I'm, I'm more interested in legacy once it's over but for Bill's self yeah, I feel yeah. like it's it's warranted to talk about it right now because I think he gave a very insightful quote earlier this week before KU departed for New Orleans and the quote was I'll read it really quick quote so I do think our program, it is without question one of the top programs in the country. I mean, nobody else can, nobody can debate that at all. But for it to be thought of as the equal of anybody else's, we've got to cut down nets on Monday night. He doesn't leave much open to interpretation as to what he's saying there, Matt. But it's interesting because you don't hear him talk like that very often. And I don't know if this is a, an unfair interpretation of what he's saying, but what, he, what he's effectively saying is everybody knows we're a great program. But in terms of the Blue Bloods, we don't stack up with Kentucky. We don't stack up with North Carolina. We don't stack up with UCLA. And the team that we're playing on Saturday night has two titles in the last, what, six NCAA tournaments. He is very well aware of the perception out there that KU's a great program, but there's that one big but. And it's that they only have three titles, three NCAA titles. What do you think Bill Self is thinking entering this Final Four 
And we'll get into implications about what may be coming down the pipeline here over the next couple of years. But like, what is at stake in the opportunity at hand, knowing there's a chance not just to cement his legacy as one of the greatest coaches ever, but to continue to close that gap with Kansas in terms of NCAA championships? Yeah, I, man, I've long, long, long thought that that winning a second title was was a real motivating factor for Bill Self. Um, and I think it is. I do think that. Um, I, I think he's he's thought for a long time that, you know, a lot of guys can win one. And a lot of guys have won one. But when you start to win more than that, when you win two or three or four or whatever you can get your hands on, that's, that's when you kind of, you know, enter into a different tier. And um, so, so you know, I, I've thought that for a long time. And, and as much as I still believe that, when I heard him say that earlier this week and when, when I, you know, when I kind of, I guess, digested it and thought about it, I, I, and I was there when he said it, you know, I, I really think that it does seem to me like winning for the program means more to him. And, and that shouldn't come as a major surprise because he's always been a very humble leader, a humble servant of Kansas basketball. He has, he has been the first to tell you this, this place, this, this, this program is bigger than any one person. Um, you know, he calls himself a caretaker of the, of the, of the greatest program in college basketball history and, and the greatest tradition. I mean, you know, it, it's not like this has been the Bill Self show at all, but, but obviously, you know, he's a competitive guy and he's driven by his own achievements and things like that. So, you know, that stuff always meant something to him. Win, 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 win. But but I think that hearing him talk about it this week, it's, it's made me realize that, like, yeah, he wants to win for himself. But, man, he, he really wants to win for this program. And I think um, part of it is is exactly what you just talked about, which is backing up with, with all these other programs that have won two or three titles over the last decade and a half or whatever it is. Um, and, and, and I think another part of it is, you know, like there's obviously been this dark cloud hanging, hanging over KU with the NCAA stuff and the investigations and the FBI stuff and all that. And, and I think that that stuff has, has really in some ways, I guess, worn on him or, or, made him feel like you know hey hey look this is this is you know this is a drag that this is happening on my watch whatever i did or didn't do you know it's it's still i'm the coach and and so i uh i i, I want to do everything i can to make kansas proud and to to make this program you know feel like it's the best ever and the best of the best and all that stuff and so you know, there's there's some of that in there too, I think, and and none of that's new. I mean, this is a guy who, on day one, when he took over at Kansas, you could tell that he was so appreciative of the opportunity and and did not take it for granted and felt like the luckiest head coach in the world. So this is none of this is new, but it's just it's evolved, and and I, I do think that um, I do think it's powerful. I think the the it's one thing to want to win for yourself. A lot of coaches have that but it's another to want to win for your program and, and your program's history as much as you want to win for yourself. And, and I think that's uh, that, that doubling down right now that's happening with self is, is making all of this really, really powerful. Yeah. So the quote was definitely about the program, but 
I think with, when you've been at one spot and that spot happens to be one of the most tradition rich, rich historical programs in the country, you feel an attachment to it and you For feel sure. an obligation to continue that. So it's, it's twofold and it's really interesting. And I want to get your take on this because that quote was about Kansas, but in a way it was about Bill Self too. Because he understands that you you gotta you, you, when you when you've been there as long as he's been there when you've had as much success as you've had, the expectations are heightened. So it, like there there's no you don't really have to interpret that that the comment that he made about needing to get on the same level of the other blue bloods. But I think the flip side of that is that he knows he is responsible for doing it, and that if he doesn't do it. Right, because that's been the big knock. You you mentioned it at the beginning. Getting the second title, that's important to him. Because not getting that second title and not knowing what the future holds is just going to be another piece of ammunition that all of the people who say that Bill Self doesn't coach well in March and that he's a regular season coach and that is he's choked in the Elite Eight and he hasn't been able to win the big game and that it was only Mario Chalmers that won him a title. And it's all bullshit, but... We know the stuff that people use against him. He knows it too, Matt. And I think right. there's part of him that looks at that and says, well, now that we're in the final four, the pressure's on me to get the job done because you, don't, you never know when you're going to get back there. And I think that, that it's, it's sort of twofold with the pressure to get Candace another title, but even more so, it's like, I got to get that second ring. Because I yeah, know what it for means sure. for my legacy, and then I know what that will do to everybody else who out there who's doubting me or trying to hold something against me. Yeah, and you know what the coolest thing about that is? You talk about the pressure there. I think, I think you know, the coolest thing here is I, I don't think his kids are feeling that. I think, I think Self would take all of the pressure and put it entirely on his shoulders to keep them from feeling it, both because that's going to give them the best chance to win, of course, and that's what a good head coach does, but also because yeah, he doesn't want those kids to have that weight on their shoulders and feel that burden. It's not their legacy, you know, and it, it, in part it is because everyone knows if you win a title at Kansas, you're a freaking legend, man. Like, like Remy Martin could win a title at Kansas. He could be the most outstanding player of the tournament at Kansas. He could have his jersey hanging in the rafters. Let's not bury that point. Let's not bury that point, Matt, because <laughs> the absurdity of that, and you're not wrong. No. But the absurdity of that, given how many conversations everybody's had, but like you and I, how many times over the last four months have we sat down and had a conversation about Remy Martin? And, and I swear oh to you, God, we have hit man. every end of the spectrum. I mean, there, there, if there's a, bing, a Remy Martin bingo card. We've filled out the entire card. There's not an empty yeah, space on it. it's one of those blackouts, right? Is that what they call it? When yeah, but I, maybe, the yeah, maybe the only card was, maybe the only empty space was Remy Martin jersey retirement, and we never even yeah, touched we it. We didn't hit that We're one. touching it now because you're, you're absolutely right. And the thing is, I don't think it's that ridiculous because of what he brings to the table. I don't want to make this all about Remy Martin right now, but like, just an important aside, the absurdity, the fact that that's on the table right now. Well, it's, it's, it's awesome. And I, I, I think it's like, it's one of the most fascinating parts of this. Now, he has to go play really well, A, because they need to win, but B, because if, if he's just a part of this thing and they win, he's not a lock. He's probably their leader right now, but 
Jalen Wilson could go kill it and maybe win MLP. Ochai certainly could go kill it and maybe win MLP. Uh, you know, so it's not a lock lock yet, but he, he still has to play well. But if he does play well, if he does what he's done it, and they win two games, it's him. But, but, but anyway, yeah, getting back to, to, to what, you know, what you were talking about. I mean, like, I, I think that, I think it's cool how, how self tries to take that pressure away from these guys at, whenever possible. And it's, he's not always successful because these are still guys that, that feel that pressure themselves for their own reasons. And, and so, um, but, but I guess the point I'm making is that he's not so driven by this, oh, I need to win another title that they feel that that's like why they're here. They're here every year. And, and by here, I mean, you know, playing the game and, and going through this, this another season, not at the final four every year, but, but, but their goal every year is, is to, you know, put it all together create this 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 product that's ultra efficient highly successful and puts them in the running to be where they are right now which is in the game at the end of the season the last weekend and you're on the you're on that stage so you know that that's a big part of of every season of course but um but but i think that's what's so great about about his the way he kind of puts these teams together and and, and approaches it it's it's just he, the the players are never feeling the burden of like having to do it for him. They they do want to do it for him, but it's not ever about him for 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 this program. And I think that's because Kansas, as he says, as we talked about a minute ago, is is bigger than any one person. And everybody that comes through there will readily admit that, and and they're they're fine with it. They embrace it. It's just facts. And so I I think that's that's a part of it and and you know one of the other things that's really cool too is like whether he gets another title or not i do think it drives him um whether whether he he is able to stack up these championships and and keep kansas on that same level as all those other blue bloods that we talked about i I think that's important to him too but look man at the end of the day you go talk to Jay Wright, or you go talk to John Calipari, or you go talk to Mike Krzyzewski, or you go talk to who the heck ever, and those dudes will all tell you, Phil Self is a badass basketball coach. Like, it is not even debatable. It is not even a question in his profession among his peers where he stands. And so I don't know that that's something that means, hey, that's enough for him. I think that could be years from now when he looks back and, and, and maybe, you know, maybe there's a, maybe there's a roast or something and then, and then they all end up saying good things about him or whatever. And they, and then he realizes when he's 84 years old or whatever, man, those guys all thought I could coach. That's cool. You know, but, but I, but I think, I still think as much as that's a a true thing that, that exists, I, I still think he feels the, the inner pressure, inner drive to say, that's all well and good. And that's cool that my friend Jay Wright thinks I'm a good basketball coach, but you're measured by your numbers. You're measured by what you do. And, and if I don't hang enough banners, then, you know, I'm only going to think I'm so good. So I do. I think, I think legacy's on, on the, on, in play here for sure this weekend. But I also think you'd be crazy to think that this is, 
bigger than any other weekend or whatever because I don't think that this is the last time Bill Self's going to be here. I think if he coaches at Kansas another seven to ten years, I think they'll probably get here another three or four times. See, I disagree with um, that though, Matt. I dis- I, I, I think I think this is the biggest Final Four that Bill Self's ever been in. And because, because of who's here? Is that, is that why? No, because of what's potentially looming. Oh. So, okay, let's, let's, let's dive into this for a second. Um, there are, there have been reports out there that there could be, and I, we don't have to dive too deep into them. I don't know what you're comfortable talking about. You're a, you're a beat, you're a beat writer. You stick with the facts and I totally understand that and I respect that. But, um, there are reports out there that, I mean, and, and this isn't, there, there are reports out there that there could be a potential uh, postseason ban looming for specifically Bill Self and Curtis Townsend over the next couple of years. We'll see if that ends up being the case. But what we do know is that this IARP, this NCAA investigation, has been ongoing for four years, which is a joke in and of itself and a conversation for a different day. Um, but I think we would all agree that like, eventually this thing is going to come to a head. There are going to be punishments handing, handed down and whether you believe the reports or not, it wouldn't be far-fetched to assume that some sort of uh, ban for Bill Self could be coming. Now, he knows more than we know, I would assume, but I, knowing that the future for him is very uncertain, and I'm not saying he's going to get fired or that he's never going to coach in the tournament again. Well, that's it, right? Yeah, that, that's it. I mean, like, sure, he, he could be penalized. It could be severe, but... KU's given him a lifetime contract. So yeah, but, but you're there right now. But you are in the Final Four right now. And you right. haven't won a title in 14 years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's fair. That's fair. You haven't won a sure. title That's in 14 years. So you have yeah. to look at this situation and say, because, I mean, from a, from a basketball standpoint, Matt, you should win this game against Villanova. Doesn't mean you will. You're a better team than them on paper. You're a better team than them when they're healthy and they just lost maybe their most important player. Like, you, you you should go and win this game against Villanova. And, f- and from that point, Duke is is on the same level as you, but you're more experienced than them. I think you have better guards than them. Vegas will have you as a favorite. KU's going to be a favorite no matter if they if they win on Saturday, they're going to be a favorite regardless of who they place. But again, it goes back to the uncertainty. You you never know when the next final four appearance is going to come. And at that point, you never know how much you're going to like your chances to, to end up winning it all. So it's, it, to me, it's the uncertainty coupled with the fact that you're there right now and you have a golden opportunity to go out and win a national championship. That, to me, makes this more important for Bill Self than any yeah, other Final Four he's coached I don't disagree with that. I don't disagree with that at all. And it's, it's, it's a little bit getting off, off track. But like I, I, we just talked to Mitch Lightfoot earlier this week. Uh, before they left Lawrence. And, and it was the same thing, man. Like, you know, he was pretty young in 2018. And and I asked him, I said, you know, did, did, you, did you just assume then you'd be back? Like maybe even a bunch of times? And I don't remember his exact answer, but I, I think it was like, yeah, you know, of course we did. That's what we do here. That's the standard. That's the expectation. And then here it is, you know, four years later and, and the only reason he got back was because of this weird thing called COVID. Otherwise he would have not been on this team this year. And you know, whatever, we're not getting into a conversation about value, but maybe this team wouldn't even be here without Mitch. Right. So, um, 
So, so it is, it is, that is very valid. Your point of you just, it's, it's the Dan Marino thing, right? Like you just, you go to a, you go to a Super Bowl early, early, early in your career and you just assume you're going to keep going and you don't ever again. So, um, I, I understand what you're saying, but, but I, and I don't think it's wrong. I think it, I think it does add, uh, weight and, and add importance and value and relevance to right now. But I, Still think uh, NCAA penalties be damned, um, down years be damned. I mean, I still think Self's track record shows he's going to keep getting there. He's 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 just he's a good coach. He's had a great program, and he gets great talent. And even when he gets three star talent or four star talent, and not that cream of the crop. Those are sometimes the guys that he's best with and, and develops and coaches them up and then they get there. So um, it's really hard for me to think that, that you know, that he isn't going to be back here two, three, four more times. But you're right. You can't ever take it for granted and, and, and nothing's guaranteed by any means. So I, I do think it adds some weight to it. And, uh, and, and I will say this, I mean, having been on this whole run with them um, the last, months basically you know there's a lot of talk on game day about how tight this team looks or or is playing or whatever but i've done this a long time man i've covered all these tournaments and i I haven't sensed that with this group at all i mean maybe ochai a little bit because it hasn't come as easy and teams are defending yeah what do you make of that what do you make of ochai specifically i don't want i want you to finish your answer but specifically with ochai what do you see i i think i think it's 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 pretty simple. I mean, I think he, I think it's Remy's emergence has has not negatively affected Ochai. I don't think it's a bad thing. I think it's just allowed Ochai to maybe realize, hey man, I got more help. This is cool. That that dude can go, and uh, I think that that's you know taking some of the edge off maybe a little bit, and and not not the edge off. Well, it's like, just unfamiliar, uh, right? You're you're now right. you have this element into the offense that completely changes the way it was running. Totally, totally. So, 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 yeah. Getting back to the answer, though, I mean, like maybe him some, but for the most part, uh, whether it's at practices or or you know interviews or availability or in the hallway of these of these arenas or whatever. I mean, like, I think these dudes have been really pretty loose all month. And I'm sure that has something to do with them being here. You know, like you you can't be tight and, and tense and and win four games in a tournament with with this much on the line and, and these stakes and, and so they've they've figured that out and, and found a way to make a, a run and and um and they're here. So I, I think that I think that this is a this is a group that's um, really motivated, and, and and I know we're talking big legacy stuff here, but right, like I think this is a group that's really motivated by just like it. It might sound ridiculous, but I don't think you'll think it is. It might to some people listening, but I, I think these guys have almost taken this run on their shoulders as if like let's put Kansas back on the map, damn it, and that's kind of cool. Like for a team that just got to the final four, four years ago. I mean, you know how many teams would love to say, yeah, it's, it's, it's only been four years since we went to the final four, you know, like teams would kill to say that. And so 
at Kansas, that seems like a drought. That seems like a long time. And so I feel like these guys have collectively kind of shown up and said, let's, let's, let's show them who we are. Let's remind people what Kansas is all about. And I think that's motivated this, this group um, from the head coach all the way down to Chris Tehan. And, and uh, I, I think that's been a cool part of this thing. So as much as it's, you know, Ochai's legacy, uh, which I wrote a story today about self saying some pretty crazy stuff, you know, uh, about Ochai having the the best year any Kansas basketball players had since Danny Manning. Yeah. What I was mean, the context of that quote? It, it, it basically, so it, it was interesting because it started, um, I, I got stuff in the hallway afterwards with a couple other people and, and, um, I didn't, you know, I, I didn't ask this in the, in, on the podium and I'm glad I didn't now, <laughs> But, but it started with me basically asking, hey, you know, it, it, talk to me about the, the symmetry here between Devontae doing what he did in 18 as a senior, going out kind of like this, and Ochai doing the same thing. Like, is, is that significant? Is there any relevance to that? And then that's when he just jumped in and said, look, Ochai has an opportunity to have the best year that any Kansas basketball player has had since Danny Manning. And then he went into the details. I mean, he said his team won the Big 12 regular season. His team won the Big 12 tournament. His team, well, he was the MVP of the tournament. He was the player of the year in the league. He was a first-team All-American. He got his team to a Final Four. I mean, that's a damn good resume right there for one season. And, and really for a career, really. So, um, and, you know, and, and then that, that's when, like I said, I mean, he entered, he entered Danny Manning into the picture, but then we were kind of talking about it and he was like, well, Danny didn't win the big eight that year. And, and I don't think KU won the, won the big eight tournament that year either. So, you know, Ochai's even done things Danny didn't do, but the difference is Danny was national player of the year and Danny won the title. So, Ochai may not get Player of the Year. Like I, I, I mean, the voting's done, right? It's yeah, like, I don't it, think he's gonna. It's, it's gonna it's be cheap way, I would assume. Exactly. So he's not gonna he's not gonna add that to that list. Um, but he has he has an opportunity here to win two games and and add wins a title to that list. And if he does that, he's in some pretty pretty ridiculously elite rare company and uh and so yeah so there's there's the legacy stuff right like we're 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 talking about that we're talking about remy martin going into the raptors we're talking about bill self's legacy we're talking about freaking mitch lightfoot's legacy even right like we we, that that's that's what you wanted this thing to be about and, and that's there's a lot to talk about there but i do think getting back to this team like as a whole I think it's a I think it's a team legacy thing. I think these guys are all very very motivated to say like, look, we are Kansas, and I know that was like a maybe that's what you'll see on the Final Four uh, broadcast on on Saturday night. Uh, you know they say that right, we are Kansas or, or whatever. But um, I just think that these guys have have just really grown together and bought in together. Yeah, they, yeah. Together. Can I can I cut you off real quick? I'm sorry, but. Yeah. Yeah. You say bought in, and this is something I was talking about. We did a radio show, Jayhawk Talk Radio, the other night on on six ten with uh, with the Jayhawk Talk guys, and, and we talked about this. And it's that the, the second half against Miami was the the time when this 
really reinforced it to me. The idea that I'm not sure, Matt, I have ever seen a Kansas team buy into a new line of thinking in March the way that this team has. And, and, and what we saw in Miami was them dominate. Dominate. Not just, not just win the game with their defense. They dominated the game with their defense. And at no point this season, at no point, did I think this was a team that would be able to dominate anybody right, with their defense. Right. And, and, I, and, and the reason why is I, the, the, the buying in aspect, it resonates with me, is that this was never a good defensive team. I, we went back and looked at the numbers. After the uh, Kentucky loss, according to Ken Palm's adjusted defensive efficiency, KU had the number 55 ranked defense in the country. And right now, they have the 17th ranked defense in the country. And it's not because they're doing anything different schematically, but you go back and watch the second half of that Miami game. It's, it's an activity level. Guys are busting yep. their ass. Yep. Mitch yep. Lightfoot has turned into Jeff Withy in the NCAA tournament, dude. And, and, it's, and it's Mitch, it's Ochai, it's CB, it's guys. I, and I think that, that Kentucky game, and, and Kevin, who I did the show with the other night, he brought this up. He's like, that Kentucky game, I think, really resonated with this team, and they understood, like, our best isn't good enough. It's just not. We're never going to be as right. physical as these teams. We're never going to be as, as long or lengthy or athletic as athletic. And I think hit, hitting the postseason, and I don't know what your theory is as to how this came about. I'd be interested to hear your thoughts on it. But they're starting to buy into the idea that our baseline's not good enough to win a title. We have to outwork everybody we're going to play if we want to do something special in March. And that's what I think we've seen. And I'm curious, do you see the same thing? And, and how do you think that it's kind of an impossible question? We're not in the locker room. We don't know what's the conversations that are being had, but it's clearly a mentality shift in this oh, postseason. And, and where do you and think it comes it, from? Well, it, it's self been saying it, you know, for, for a while now. And these guys have even bought into this, this commentary, like, like self for weeks now has said, this is not the most talented group I have, but goddamn, they think they are. <laughs> you know? and, and that is cool, man. Like, that is a really cool. And those are my words, not his. I don't want anybody to think self out there saying that. I wish I hadn't said it that way, but I did. So, um, you know, but, but that's a really cool concept. Like, and boy, if you know these guys at all, or you follow them or whatever, you've read about them, like, that's exactly right. Like, Jalen Wilson thinks he's a lottery pick. <laughs> and maybe he will be someday, but who cares? He thinks he is right now. Yeah. Like, he's like, bro, somebody should pick me up in the lottery. Like, come on. And Christian Brown's like, I'll, I'll play with anybody, anywhere. I'll guard anyone. I don't care. I'm good. And and and, it, and it's so on and so on and so on down the line. And and so, you know, there's, there's for years now, we've, we've seen what a Bill Self team is about right like it's like tough guys that play defense and like to grind and aren't afraid of anything right like that's the bill self team that's that's the mold for for guys that he wants to coach but man this that that might have evolved too and and this may be what it's what it is now i mean and, and there's still elements of that within this group but but as much as uh as much as that has always been sort of the Bill Self type of player, the model. 
man, I just think that this is this is a group that he loves. Like he loves that irrational confidence. You know, he he loves he loves that Jalen Wilson thinks he's a lottery pick and and believes he's as good as anyone out there. Because as long as you go out and play hard and show that that you know you can back that up a little bit, then I think it's sort of a it, 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 it's sort of a self fulfilling prophecy, right? Like all of a sudden. Well, these guys think they're the best team we've ever had. And, gosh, they're two wins away from being that. Well, not the best team ever, but you know what I'm saying. Like, like, and, and yeah, a couple of months ago, their defense was 55th, and they were pretty pedestrian, especially in that Kentucky game. That Kentucky game cost me my entire bracket. I mean, I, I told myself that day, I don't care what the bracket looks like. I don't care where they are. I don't care who's yep. in their I region. I did the exact same thing. I did the exact same thing. the national title. And so, you know, I'm not saying anybody owes me anything. Nobody owes you anything. But but that was a a, a thorough beatdown. And, and, and they have talked about how that loss was a sort of turning point or trigger or whatever for them to realize what you just said, that, that – what we think is good isn't good enough. And so we've got to figure out a new way to do it or we're going to be right back in that same boat of getting our butts whipped by USC in the second round and going home miserable. And none of these guys wanted that. So they figured it out. They, they, they dug deep. They had some hard conversations with themselves, each other, whatever. And, and they found a way. And and I, I think what's cool, too, is like, well, real quick, while we're talking about how they used to be 55th uh, in defensive efficiency, you know who's close to that right now is Duke, 45th. So, yeah, they just turned I'm into not, a, a team that hasn't missed a shot in two weeks. Right, exactly. And yeah, number one on offense. So that's tough. But, I mean, it, it, it tells you a little about Monday night if that thing ends up happening with, with Kansas against Duke, it's it's like, and that's why Bill Kansas Self loves this team is because that's what he wants to like, dude. That is Bill Self's wet dream is having right. a bunch of guys who aren't like he does not have the personnel to be a great defense, and they're turning into a great defense in March. Right, right, crazy. It is. It really, it really, really is. Okay, so let um, me ask you this then, because I'm gonna, I'm gonna, we're, well, we can wrap things up on this because you've been very generous with your time, and I know if I just let you go, you'll go all night. But I'm not gonna do that to you because you got a long day ahead. You're in you New Orleans. You shouldn't be up at uh, 12:45 a.m. talking to me. Oh, you should have said later at least, so I don't look lame, man. Uh, oh, sorry. Said, like, you should oh, be yeah. up at 3:45 a.m. Yeah, 3:45 like, you know, a.m. Yeah, I'll cut that. Cut that. I'll cut that part out. <laughs> it's okay though. No, we're good because, <laughs> like, uh, as we talked about before we hit record, like New Orleans, and it's Thursday, so you got to pace yourself. Well, I mean, and right? to, to that point though, too, is like, it's. Do. It's uh, it doesn't matter what time it is. If you if you decide that you have a second wind and you want to hit Bourbon Street, like you can find something to right do. Now. So you'd be fine. Go right now. Yeah. Um, sure. So sure. In, maybe I will. We'll leave it at that. <laughs> and I don't want to lead you in any direction because we've just spent the yeah. last thirty-five plus minutes talking about KU and how it feels like this team is doing everything right at the right time. But um, it's not as though it's them and a bunch of scrubs here in the Final Four in New Orleans. Do you think? KU is cutting down nets on Monday night. Uh, yeah, I do, I do, um, and and I'll, and I'll tell you why. Number one, I think I think the the Villanova thing is is not going to be an easy game, 
but I, but I think as you said a while ago, like they should win the game. I mean, it, it it's just it broke in their favor, and it's a pretty good matchup, and I, I think they're the better team. So then that means you get to Monday night, and if you play Carolina, you win. I, I think that's I just think that's true. Um, if you play Duke. You are playing a Duke team that, as we talked about, is 45th in defensive efficiency against a number seven ranked Kansas offense. And you are also playing a Duke team that has the entire weight of the entire history of the entire world on their shoulders. <laughs> because seems all a bit, they seems, will want to do severe. is win the last game that Coach K ever coaches. And while that could be positive, like that could really fire you up, right? Like that's a, that, that could be a fun thing to want to go out and do. It could be a ridiculous amount of pressure too. And so regardless if they're favored or not in Vegas, Kansas will feel like the team that has nothing to lose. Kansas will feel like the underdog. Kansas will feel like, everyone wants coach K to have his storybook ending, even though no one does like the rest of the world outside of the Duke fans is going to be, we're rooting for Kansas in that game if it happens. So it, you know, it, it, but, but it just sets up, it just sets up really well. And, and then to kind of finish off that point, like here's how I see this run and here, here's how I see this last couple of months or maybe six weeks, whatever it's been. You remember the, 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 the last four games of the regular season, right? Baylor at TCU, TCU at home. Well, so at Baylor, at TCU, TCU at home, and, and Texas at home. I mean, do, do you remember the vibe then? Do you remember those four games? Like, everything was so hard. Everything mm-hmm. was so intense. Everything was so heavy because they had a big lead in the, in the conference race, and, and, and it, was, it was slipping away. And all they wanted to do was win the Big 12 regular season because that's their goal every year. And, and you know, if you're going to be up that many games with only four to go, you can't lose it at that point. So they had to really dig deep and they had to go through some hell and they had to, had to face some crap to just, like, find a way to eke out that TCU win at home and then take Texas to overtime at home to win and then they got it done, man. They found a way. And, and that to me took all of the pressure off. They were, they were loose again. They were light again. They were feeling themselves. They were happy. They were, they were playing with joy and they went to Kansas city and they destroyed people. I mean, they, they won three games in three days to win the big 12 title. Well, here we are in March. And in the March or in the NCAA tournament, and they smoked Texas Southern, but that's what you have to do when you're a one against 16. They had to grind like hell against Creighton in a game that shouldn't have had to go that way, but they did. And then they had to grind against Providence after having a 13 point lead and giving it up entirely and going behind one with six minutes left or whatever. And they found a way to grind through that. And then they play maybe their worst half of the entire season and they're down six in the lead eight against Miami and they go out and they go beast mode on them in the second half and, and, and they get to the final four. So 
that that four game stretch at the end of the regular season to me is is very similar to this four game stretch throughout the tournament so far. It's 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 in grind, grind, grind. You gotta find a way. You gotta you just gotta get there. And they freaking got there. And I think they go out now and they play their two best games of the year. I, I just think I think they will be loose. I think they've been coached to be loose. I think Phil Self is a master at motivating and preparing guys in these situations. And and I think they're going to be ready. And, and I think they will attack this thing like they've got nothing to lose and everything to gain. So um, if, if, they, if they don't win it all, will I be shocked? Of course not. I, I don't think anybody can be. I just think the way this thing is set up and, and, and because of all these things we've talked about, all these legacy factors, all these, all these program factors, and, and then just the symmetry of how this run has unfolded and how their season has, has evolved and unfolded. I, I, I just, it feels to me like it's in the cards, man. And um, I, I, I think these guys are locked in and hungry and ready to go. So it'll, it'll be uh It'll be a wild weekend, no question about it. And and you know, not the least of which is is the fact that Kansas is playing in the Final Four, and there's sort of an afterthought, right? Like I talked to Jay Wright and Bill Self today about this, like the the undercard aspect of their game, right? Like it's Duke and Carolina in the Final Four in the second game. So, I mean, does the other game even happen? It, it does, of course it does. But man a lot of the attention is on that that nightcap so that even that plays to Kansas's advantage so yeah I just think it's, you, you can't ask for more and, and, and you said it earlier like if you get here you gotta make it count and, and I think they're ready to do that Matt appreciate you man I know you got a busy week ahead so uh, thanks for taking a few minutes to talk to me I uh, thoroughly enjoyed it as always yeah man it was fun thank you a little different than the uh, short blast that we do with basketball friends, but those aren't going anywhere either. So uh, I enjoyed it as well. And, and uh, yeah, enjoy the basketball, man. We'll, uh, we'll catch up soon. I'm sure. All right. Darnell Jackson. We talked to him uh, a couple weeks ago, about a month ago before the postseason began. So before we get going, man, first off, congratulations, because you shared on Twitter, you kept the receipts, you kept yes, the sir. text receipts to Jeremy case. When were those texts from like July? July, man, July 6th. And it was just, it was just like me just paying attention to like the, the recruiting, the recruiting process, the guys that they were looking at and the guys that they were bringing in and the same guys that were coming back. And I'm, I even was just sitting there thinking, I'm like, damn, like, like these guys are going to be loaded. So I'm talking to Jay Case and I text him, I said, hey, man, like, I, I really, I'm going to make a prediction now. Like, you guys are going to the Final Four. And he's like, oh, I hope so. And, I, you know, I put the thumbs up. Like, you guys are going to make it. Like, there was no doubt in my mind. Like, these guys – like, they had an up-and-down season. But we all know, like, the game – like, basketball is a game of runs. And Kosev has the formula. We have, you know, the best uh, coaching staff to me in, the, in, in, in NCAA basketball. Like, look how fast those guys developed over the years and came together, and now we're in the Final Four. So, like, I'm, I'm really, really excited to see what happens against Villanova. And for anybody who doesn't know, you, you tweeted this out right after they, they clinched the Final Four. You texted Jeremy Case back in July and said, this team's going to the Final Four, right? You're sure. making the prediction. No, yeah, no, no doubt in my mind they were going to the Final Which Four. Which is cool because 
this team, while they they brought in a lot from the transfer portal, mm-hmm. but the core, like the guys who are out there playing the lion's share of the minutes are mostly guys who are on the team and playing last year. The, the lone exception right. is really Remy, who obviously right. has been massive for them in the tournament. First off, I want to know, you're on the West Coast, so how are you watching these games? Are you, like, locked in at your house? Or are you going to no, a party like, with a bunch of people? Like, what do you um, do? I, like, the first couple games, like, my son had baseball practice, so I'm just at, like, baseball practice watching on, my, on the March Madness app. So I'm watching him and looking at the phone, and I had the opportunity to watch the whole game here at the house. So that was a great, great experience, uh, just sitting there and, and, you know, the whole family are coming in and they're watching it. So it was just, it, it felt great to see those guys go back to the Final Four. Are you a nervous watcher? Are you a nervous fan? Are you an excited uh, fan? How, how are you? No, uh, I'm, uh, I'm excited. Like, I, I, I get mad at the details, especially yeah. when guys make, you like, they make the mental mistake knowing that they shouldn't have done that. You know, just stay solid. Like, there's, there's points in the game where they know, like, oh, shit, I shouldn't have done that. Yeah, just stay solid, bro. Pay attention to the details. Keep the game simple. Don't try to be a hero. Just keep it simple. Get it over with, you know. But that just comes with, you know, being mature over, you know, over the years and, and learning the process. I would imagine those mental mistakes, the little errors like that in your head, they get magnified in the postseason. Because, sure. because you know nothing's guaranteed. If I'm, if right. we get down and we can't, like, you're, you're down six against Miami at halftime. At that point, you've got to be in your head, like, how did we, how did we get here? Did I mess this up? Am I the reason we're down? How do you sort of battle that throughout the game? Next possession. I mean, you can't even think of Honestly, you can't think about that. Like, as a, as a professional athlete or just a student athlete overall, you just got to think next possession. Like, damn, I turned the ball over twice. Or, you know, my biggest thing where I was getting upset when I was watching, like, the, the, they kept jumping on the fakes, like, on the pump fakes. Like, yeah. just stay down, bro. Like, you're getting beat to the basket. Weak side, strong side help was coming kind of late, you know, not being there early. You know, and this is just a basic shell drill. You know, the the free throw line guy drops him down to the baseline, back to the baseline, just helping having Davis back on the backside rebounds. But, you know, second half, you see, they they really turned it up. Your name was invoked by C.J. Moore, friend of, friend of mine. We've had him on the show a couple of times. He's the writer Love for The C.J. Athletic. Yeah, 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 he's a good dude. And yeah, he yeah. he invoked your name. I don't know what the play was during the game, but Christian Brown had done something. Maybe it was the breakaway dunk in the second half. Where he uh, he quoted you from two thousand eight. Yeah, yeah. Let your nuts hang. Do you remember giving that hang. quote? Yeah, yeah. Right at the, right at right after we won the chip. You know, I was and you know, Coach Self he used to say it all the time, like before we stepped on the court, like man, just go out there and let your nuts hang. You know, and 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 I'm just like, yeah, you know, you, you know what, he's right. Let's go out here, relax, let's have fun, and not worry about playing, you know, tense and too tight. Let's just go enjoy this game and play it the right way. We've been doing it all year, you know? Would he always, was that only something he reserved for the postseason or was that, you know, all season long type thing? No, that was only during um, the postseason. Only during the postseason. Yeah, I've been asking, I've been trying to ask guys about this because it's so interesting seeing how coaches change their their style Mm -hmm. in the postseason. And I know, like, some, and and not all coaches do. Like, some coaches will tell you, no, if you haven't been. Like, I was listening to uh, Jim Laranega, the Miami coach, and he said, no, we treat every game the same because if you weren't, if you didn't treat the last game like you treat this one, then you weren't treating the last game 
seriously enough. And I'm not saying there's a right way or a wrong way to do things, right. but how obvious was it the shift from like regular season mode to postseason mode with Coach Self? Ooh, that's I love man. I have an argument. Me and me and Chris Johnson, we argue about this a lot because you know, there are some great coaches out there, like older coaches that stick to their old ways. But sometimes those old philosophies don't work anymore because the game is played in a different way. Now you got guys that are shooting threes and they just play above the rim. It's really not even a fundamental game anymore until they get into the NBA, until they make that transition. And if you look at what Coach Self did with us from 08 to, to now, look how the game has changed. You know, you're bringing in athletic guards and wings and you had MB. Nobody really knew MB was going to turn into the player he is now. Like, it, I, I truly believe, like, every year or every generation, like, the game, something new is happening every day in the game. So you have to adapt. Coach Chef knows how to adapt. His formula works in any system. Like, it's, just, it's like it's unbelievable how he does it. And with us having Coach Manning there and Coach Ronnie, Coach T, Coach Dooley, like even before Coach Jankovic and all those guys left, like it was like the system was like that was the engine. Follow the system. If you don't follow the system, we will not win. So the, the formula definitely works. So after the game, and he said this in 2018 as well when they beat Duke to go to the Final Four, and he said that, the pressure's off once you make it to the Final Four because you're playing to get to the Final Four. Like, that's where you hang banners. That's what you're sort of judged off of. But I, when I hear that, I'm like, I, I understand what he's saying, but also there's the flip right. side, which is, well, that's not all you're playing for, right? Like, you're, you're playing right. to, to win national championships. So sure. when you guys beat Davidson, and, and I talked to you about this the last time we, we talked. Mm. Where was that line between the sense of accomplishment versus there's still a ton of pressure on us to go out and win two more games? It was a lot of pressure on us to win that Davidson game because um, we were watching Wisconsin, you know, because that's who they beat. Mm -hmm. We were we were thinking we were playing them, and all of a sudden, Steph went crazy. So now everybody's like, oh, you know, like, oh, like we're playing Davidson. So like the pressure really like, you know, hit us a little bit. So playing Davidson increased the pressure. For sure. Definitely. No, 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 no doubt in my mind. Because if you look, if you look at our run, like we were really like we were beating guys. Davidson, like they kept up with us until the last shot of the game. Like we almost lost. Like this thing, like just imagine if Steph would have took that last shot instead of passing Mm-hmm. And who, who who fell? Was it Brandon? I think Brandon fell when Steph passed the ball. Like it could have, we could be talking. We wouldn't even be having this conversation right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a lot. But when we got to the Final Four, no pressure at all. We were ready for North Carolina. We were we were ready for UCLA. Whoever was coming our way, we were ready. Okay, so take me back to the the night of the North Carolina Final Four game. What do you remember about? not just the week leading up to it, but specifically that day leading up to the game? Because we know how that game went, but I'm, I'm curious. You said there was no pressure at that point. So right. take, take me through that game and the sense in the locker room before you guys it faced was, it. Honestly, it was just, it, it, it was calm. You know, we were focused. My biggest thing is like, I, like it's even an interview that I did during the tournament 
like North Carolina was, they were getting so much hype. Like, don't get me wrong. Like they were a great team and they was just giving Tyler Hansborough, like all this, this unbelievable, like, Oh, like, like he was going to beat us by himself. And I'm just like, I was looking forward to that. I was like, he's a great player, but you have to worry about me, Darrell, Sasha and Cole. It's only one. Like, we, we didn't worry about anybody else on that team but Tyler. Like, that's the only guy we focused on. So, like, we were like, man, we were ready. Like, before the before we even walked out the locker room, we already knew in our mind we were going to blow them up. We were just going to get on them right away. Did you guys talk about that? Were you guys talking about what people were saying and, and what you just told me? Or was it no, just sort of unspoken? I know I, know I was. Like, I kept, I'm like, <laughs> yo, like, it was just too much. Like, it was, it was just too much hype. Like, the game hasn't even started, and you guys are already handing them the win. Like, no, we're like, we're ready. Let's go. Like, we're, we're going to show you, like, we're the best team, in, in, you know, in this tournament. Okay, so tip off. As someone who was on the court, mm. describe for me what happened those first 12 minutes of that game. I was exhausted. Like, the game was moving so fast. Like, I couldn't even breathe. I was like, yo, like, we were moving so fast, man. And I'm just like, you know, like, on both ends of the floor. And I was like, yo, this it came. I couldn't believe like how bad we were beating them in the first half. And second half, I feel like, you know, we came out, we kind of relaxed a little bit because we thought it was over. So where a lot of players mess up at, like you thinking the game is over because you're up by 20. Anything can happen in 10 minutes. Well, yeah, you guys went up 38 in 10 minutes. Like they made a little run and then Coach Self got pissed off, but you know, we, we finished it off. But that, that first 12 minutes was, it was brutal, very brutal and exciting. So. But you had to think, I mean, that's natural. It's, it's right, natural because, to be up like that in, or to be up 17 even at halftime wow. and to be looking around like we're going to the national championship game. Yes, sir. I said it after the game. I said one more game, one more game, and it's over, one more. How did, how did Coach Self try to keep you guys in it when you're, I mean, it's, it's halftime, you're up by 17 or, mm-hmm. yeah, 17 points. Right. What's he saying to you guys? Because at that point... You, you know probably that there's going to be some coach speak. Like, he's going to say his spiel about how there's 20 more minutes. But mm-hmm. internally, human nature has to take over where you're saying, no, like, this is over. Right. No, he was, like, he was calm, like everybody. Like, all the way down to the coach and stuff. Like, everybody was just calm. Like, so he, like, he didn't come in, like, you know, screaming and yelling. He was just like, like, come on, guys, you know, we got to turn this around. Like, you know, they, they went on a run. We got to buckle down and play defense. Like just, just the simple things. Like I said about the details of the game, you know, the KYP knowing your personnel. So once we got back out there and we, you know, got back into the system and just playing with, you know, moving the ball and playing together, like it was no, no way they were going to come back and beat us. Did you guys start to pucker up at all there in the second half when they when they come back? I think they got it to within four. Was there any point where you guys are looking around saying, "Uh oh, like what did we oh, just yeah, do?" For sure. Like when Coach Self called that timeout, he starts screaming. So I'm just like, oh, so I'm looking like, oh, like they making a run. But that run, you know, you can tell those guys they they were done. Like they didn't even have their legs. The second win, like, like they were exhausted because they just they just fought, fought, fought. You know, that whole second half. The day of the mm-hmm. national championship, late tip, long season. You've been in mm-hmm. that city for almost a week now. And it's the only time all year where you know it's the last game of the year, no matter what. And for you, the last game of your career, what's that day like? Because it's got to be a unique feeling that doesn't really have a good comparison throughout the rest of the season. It was, um, it was like we were more 
in tuned and more focused on, you know, on just like winning the game. Like that was, like we were so worried about, you know, not going out there, making the mental mistakes and just, and just trying to take care of business. Like, I felt like we were too focused um, on the game instead of just being ourselves. Usually like when we're going out, we're joking around, we're laughing. It wasn't any of that. You know, if we go back and look at the videos, like we're all in a locker room. It's just quiet. Like we're, we're just so focused on the task. And I was just trying to win the game, you know, cold hands, sweaty feet, you know how it goes. And, but, you know, thank you to the basketball guys and Mario for hitting that shot. Mm-hmm. How do you fight that off though? Cause it's only natural. It's the, it's the national championship. You, you probably right. feel like you need to be focused, right? Right. right. Just, just playing, you know, soon as the ball go up, you know, now, you know, we can't, we don't, we don't know what's going to happen, but we can try to prevent certain things from happening. And, you know, it didn't go our way. You know, if you, if you just look at the game, it was just like, it was some shots that we should have made. We missed and uh, giving up offensive rebounds. And, but when they started missing free throws, uh, like, I was like, okay, we, we still got a chance. But we weren't scoring at first. Then we ended up calling a timeout, and I looked at Coach Manning, and he was just like, we're going to win a game. He just kept telling me that. He was like, keep your head up. We're going to win. Because I, I thought it was over. Like, I'm like, damn, like we gave this game. I even told Darrell that at the free throw line. When they, I forgot who shot the free throw. I think it was CDR, and they got the offensive rebound off the free throw. Yes, because it was when they got the offensive rebound and you guys fouled, they were up yeah. two with 10 seconds to go. Yes, sir. And that and like it like, felt like a missed opportunity. Yeah, and I was like, I said, shit. And I looked at Darrell and I said, bro, we just gave this game away. Uh, they miss. Timeout comes. Coach Manny looks at me. He's like, hey, we're gonna win this game. And I'm like, looking at him, like, okay. And he was like, no, trust me. He's like, he had his championship. He had his '88 ring on too. And he just he kept showing me his ring. He's like, just trust me, trust me. We're gonna win this game. Keep your head up. I'm like, all right. Next thing you know, they missed another one. We go down. Mario hit Sharon, handed the ball. We almost turned it over. Luckily, Mario ran ran through the, uh, the pass and knocked down that three. And if you look at the game, like, I paused for a minute. Like, all the guys are still celebrating because I'm, I'm under the rim and I'm looking. I'm like, this shit is an air ball. I'm like, I'm thinking it's coming right to me. So I'm like, okay, I get it and go up quick. But all of a sudden, the bird, the ball just did a curve, man. It, it went in, and I was just, I was like, oh, I was just in shock. I couldn't believe he made that. I was, I was very, very, very shocked. Then, if you look at, if then when we walk on the court and we looked at them, Kosef was yelling behind us. He was like, "This is our time. Like those guys are done. They were exhausted. They didn't have any legs, you know." Because Joey Dorsey fouled out. I truly believe if Joey Dorsey didn't foul out the game, it'd have been a totally different game. Yeah, because he fell out, and it was, I can't remember the exact sequence of events, but when they go up nine with about two and change to go, mm-hmm. Shady hits that really tough long two. Yes, sir. And then you guys call a timeout. I'm assuming that's the timeout where Coach Manning told you that you guys were going to win. I don't know. Maybe, yeah. I'm, maybe I'm wrong there, but mm-hmm. the next play was where they inbound the ball. Sharon steals it and then hits that three in the corner. And just like that, it goes mm-hmm. from nine points to four. And that was the moment where you kind of feel like, okay. Right. That was a huge shot. Huge. Like, for, and Sharon, like, you could hear it through the TV. Like, he was yelling at Russ, like, Russ, Russ. 
And, you know, thank God, you know, Russ turned around, gave him a great pass. Knockdown, man. Like I said, man, basketball is a game of runs. How was that night in San Antonio? It, it was, uh, uh, like, for me, it didn't, it, didn't, it didn't hit me yet. Even after we won, like, because the first person I went to was, like, my mom and my uncle, and I gave them a hug. And I'm just sitting there, and, and I'm looking at Jay Case. Jay Case is just, you know, he's just pouring. Like, he's just – and, like, it hasn't dawned on me yet. Like, and I, I still had on my uniform, and I went back to the hotel room. Me and Matt Kleinman were roommates. And I walked in the room, and I sat on the bed, and that's when it finally hit me. And I looked at Matt, and I said, Matt – I said, bro, this is really over for me because I didn't know what I was going to do. I didn't know if I was going to get drafted. I didn't, I didn't know anything about Europe basketball, China basketball. I didn't know anything. It was just over. Like, like no more running out the tunnel, you know, not like no more home games, nothing. Like it's just, then when we got back to the field house and we go through the parade, and we walked into the field house, man, and you, you see all our, our fans there. It was great. And looking at my mom, and I was just like, okay. Jay Case is whispering behind me, saying, hey, please don't make us cry. Please don't make us cry. And I was like, I'm not, bro. I'm just going to talk. And, you know, it was very emotional because I knew that I would never, ever, ever be able to play in that gym again. Well, that's the way to go out, though. For and sure. If you're ever going to go no out. Other way. Yep. No other way. What's so weird about it is, like, when you compare those your that team in 08 to this team, and that's not an unfair comparison because you guys are the best team the Bills Selfs ever had at Kansas. But you know, you look at you look at the the resume because that's what you get to a one seed. Like KU had a really good resume this year, or at least compared to their field. But they never had they never had those vibes that maybe you guys had back then. And I talked about this on an earlier episode, but like Final Four vibes. Like if if there's ever a, a season to to prove that like having Final Four sort of feelings doesn't really mean anything is this year. Because I know you called it in July, but throughout the course of the season, there were a lot of examples as to why this team might not have what it takes to, to right. cut down the nets. So now that you look back on it and you look at the run that they've been on the last few weeks, if you're to pinpoint one thing or one sort of overwhelming theme about this team, why do you think they're still alive and headed to New Orleans? Um... They bought in. Honestly, that's like, that's, and it comes down to that. They just, they bought in. Like if, if you can't, if you don't buy in, it's not going to work. And it has to go not just one through five it has to go coaching staff all the way down to, you know, to the team manager. Everybody has to buy into the, you know, in, into the goal, into, into the process of, okay, this is what we're going to do to win this game. And, and you can tell, and, and I know a lot of people were like, Oh, Remy, this Remy, that. And like, I, I stand by, I truly believe Remy Martin is our X factor because he can score. <laughs> like he can go like at a high level, like he can score. I don't worry about Christian. I don't worry about whoosh. Like those guys are scores, but when he steps on that court, he changes the pace of the game right away. Because he's like, give me, he's controlling the game. Give me the ball. Come screen. Like, he's talking. He's a floor general. Like, you need that. Then when he's not on the court, you got Christian and Oosh, David, Lightfoot. You got, you got veteran guys on the court that understand the game. If you don't understand, you, you, you won't win. 
You need guys that understand the game. I always say there's a difference between playing a game and understanding the game. And then credit to Remy, when you talk about buying in, because I'll be the first to admit, like I kind of counted him out at several yeah. points throughout the season because by the time you get to January, February, and this guy's either not on the court or when he is on the court, he keeps getting the short leash. And mm-hmm. I don't know if doghouse is the appropriate term, but you know, right. it, it just, it, he wasn't executing. So Bill Self wasn't playing him. And at one point I said, well, then it's not going to happen this year, but I don't know if it's a credit to him, if it's a credit to Bill Self for sort of loosening up in the postseason, but I don't know if I've ever seen anything quite like this, where a guy goes from, you know, at some points playing two, four, six minutes a game to all of a sudden being maybe your best player on the court. Yeah, like, yeah, like, like I'm with you. Like, we don't, like, we don't know if it's the doghouse. Like, I know I didn't been on a short lease with Coach Self plenty of times, but at the end of the day, I, I knew what the goal was. Like, I, I knew what the what the system was was for us to you know to create. And I truly believe, like, that's what Remy did. Like, he just, he was just like, okay, I need to buy in. Like, I need to give him my all for these guys. You're a senior. I want to go out. I want to go out as a winner, man. Like, I don't want to go out as a loser. Like, the whole goes, like, I want to leave with championship. Yeah. He's got the right mentality. Um, and it's fun. Yeah. It's fun to watch him. Like, he's he's in his element right now. You can tell. Oh, like, yeah. this is. Yeah. He's, he, he's very, very, he's like. He wears like you know he wears it, man. Like you, he wears it on his face, his chest, like his whole demeanor when he steps on the court. He's just like, yeah, man, I'm, I'm the best point guard on this court right now. Love that. Like he's like it's no fear when he's on that court, and and so it's like with all those guys, man, and 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 if all those guys buy in and, and play together and move the ball and and cut down some of those mental mistakes, no doubt in my mind we'll be holding up that trophy when it's all said and done. I hope you're right, man. I hope you're right. Yes, KU Nova on Saturday, and then uh, who you who do you want to see him against in the title game? Duke or North Carolina? North Carolina. Yeah. Yeah, North Carolina. Need that in North Carolina, Kansas, baby. Yeah. Let's go. Goes way back. It would be there would be something nice about beating Duke in the national championship game in Coach K's last game. Like that would be pretty historic as well. Right. It would. It would. So There's gonna be good no matter what. Yeah, but I, I'd rather North Carolina take care of that. And we take care of North Carolina. There you go. Darnell, man, it's good to catch up with you. Thank you so much for taking the time again. Anytime. Thank you. If you haven't already, please subscribe, rate, and review. Thank you guys for listening all season long. Hopefully we've got a couple more episodes last week, next week, recapping a national championship. As for my prediction, uh, I've got KU over Duke in the title game. I think KU has the best player remaining in Ochai Abaji. I get it. Paolo Banchero is going to be... Uh, top three pick in the draft next year. But in terms of collegiate players, Ochai's had the best season. I think there's going to be some maybe weight lifted off his shoulders, knowing that most guys who play like him as the best player on the team, the way that he's struggled throughout the tournament, are usually sitting at home at this point. He's not. I think he's probably well aware of that. Maybe the pressure lifted a little bit. And, and on top of that, this time of year, a year you need you need shot makers. You need bucket getters. KU's got the best one remaining. It's Remy Martin. I think that puts him over the top. I've got KU over Duke in the title game, and I hope I'm right so we can come back and talk about it on Monday. Thank you so much for listening. Waving the wheat.
Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.